<laughs> Kevin Taylor me. Who is this? <laughs> I think it's me. <clears throat> You're here before Christy, which honestly is not surprising. Oh my gosh. I know. We could just we could just do it. I mean, do we do we need her? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. We could just do it. We could just do it. We're gonna do it. <laughs> We have to southern, we have to southern it up before the Colorado comes in. She's from Colorado. It's it's a big part of her identity. So don't be disparaging about Colorado. It's it's no a whole. Th- it's. Do you have any feelings about Colorado? I have no feelings about Colorado. <laughs> well, that's good. How are oh. you? All I know is uh, South Park. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, welcome to Theology on the Rocks. Christy isn't here. And you know what? That's oh, we are recording, cause... aren't we? Oh, yeah. We've been recording for a minute. That wasn't just banter. You can cut that, that out. Pretty... I'm not going to. We don't cut anything. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to be our editor? <laughs> What's editing? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I cut one thing one time. That I'll tell you in real life. Wow. Oh, look who decided to show up. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see the text. <laughs> yeah. Her, uh, Kevin, Christy's also a youngest child. So I was literally that. just sitting here watching my computer. <laughs> Somehow I missed it. <laughs> so, well, well, welcome. Christy. Hey. <laughs> we, already, we already talked some mad smack about Colorado before you got here. You know yeah. what? Let's mark it, mark it on the calendar. Today is a day I am glad not to be in Colorado because it is snowing hard. No, thank you. And I was like, ooh, I don't want to drive in that anymore. That's yucky. Christy <laughs> drove me around AAR uh, in Denver, and I swear, Kevin, I thought it was worse than driving with you. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, do you have a lot of uh, snow driving experience? No. He's got he's got going on the wrong way on an entrance ramp experience. <laughs> it's called driving by Zen. <laughs> we, we rode together to go to AR in San Diego. And so I rode back with him and he legit went the wrong way on the road. And that was awesome. like and I just started like looking at him and then getting increasingly concerned and being like, no. When you say drive to San Diego, you mean we I drove to the airport from your home, which was like five miles. So it was it was enough. That was, it was enough. enough. It was I do a shortcut. And I was just like, what are you doing? Like I was with you. We just ate cheeseburgers. We didn't drink whiskey. What are you doing? <laughs> Leah, you have some of the most interesting going to the airport story. I know. I know. It is a struggle for you. It really is. And I've been on the airplane no less than 8 million times. <laughs> but like, it just always is an adventure. Every so, time. Although I do like to make most things in my life seem like an adventure, even if they weren't. So that was same. But same. that was, that was real. This That story was real. <laughs> so guys once again welcome to theology on the rocks now that christy's here we say that. um we have a special guest uh which is doctor are you a reverend doctor or are you a doctor doctor 
I'm I'm Reverend Doctor Reverend Doctor Doctor. It's Reverend Doctor. Reverend Doctor. It's Reverend Doctor. It is Method ordained Methodist. Bless okay. your bless your heart. But yeah. also, yes, the Reverend Doctor <laughs> Taylor, who was is forever my colleague. I'm not going to use that sense. Forever yeah. my colleague. Oh. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, we're not. We live like very close to each other. <laughs> we still hang out. So I, yeah, I have do. to say, is. Um, colleague always a colleague really for sure for sure because christy's i've met all of christy's ccu people who don't work there anymore and they all are just like <laughs> like it it was We're like yesterday <laughs> well i wasn't gonna say that <laughs> i was gonna say you're bonded by love but sure. <laughs> we are bonded by love and, um, and baptist uh, trauma get in line guys we shut up your get in line. <laughs> Welcome, welcome to the South. Um, so yeah, Dr. Kevin Dealer and Reverend Dr. Kevin Dealer, and he was nice enough to come on the podcast and hang out with us. I mean, we are a delight. We, we are. And also, I'm so excited. We, we, Leo and I have been talking about having you on for ages. So I'm so excited that it's actually happening. Yay. We got our stuff together. Don't get too excited, Kevin. <laughs> if your voice raises another octave, I might explode. So watch out. So Dr. Taylor and uh, I'm Kevin. Kevin, <laughs> when I'm with my students, they'll always be like, Dr. Taylor this, Dr. Blah this. And I'm like, yeah. I have to always say Dr. Like refer to you as Dr. Taylor when students are around. It's hard to break that habit. It is. Because some of them call people by their first names. I'm not going to mention who those people are, but you know, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> and I was always like, that is not allowed. That's not allowed. That's no. Not, that's not something so, we work too hard for that. I don't know if we, Leah and I have talked about this in person. I can't remember if we talked about this on the podcast, but like, um, I, I feel very strongly that my students should call me Dr. Whaley for a lot of reasons um being a woman one of them. but one of them is that i'm a woman who doesn't look necessarily like i i look older than them for sure but not like super authoritative kind of older and so the doctor is necessary um but i'm always curious about whether or not men care about oh. it hmm. yeah, well kevin I as as a representative of the um, <laughs> of the male man, species of the male species of of the people from Mars, uh, you know personally, and part of it I'm 51, so I I care less. I mean I don't want anything crude or overly, yeah, overly familiar, and I don't I don't court any of it. Like some like people, they can't like, call you Kevin. That would be a little weird. Okay, but. They can call him like, Sexy Cheeks Taylor. <laughs> How did they know? That's my Discord handle. Uh, but some of them would have, some folks at, at our institution would have cute names like Doc or something. Yeah. I thought that was a little weird. We have some of those too. But yeah. I, I've had some students call me, I don't know, they've called me Mr. Thomas. I mean, they, um, I get, and I just don't, I'm like, whatever. Or, oh, yeah. You know. I mean, so many of my students say Professor Whaley instead or, uh, Mrs. Whaley, and then I'm always like, "That's my mom." <laughs> they get that's really. That's what confused. I do. I would correct them right. every. This is going to shock no one that I corrected them every time. Because <laughs> um, they would say Mrs. Mrs. Robinson. God, they love to do that. Oh, yeah. And I, I was get like, I got Mr. Kevin sometimes. Mr. Kevin. <laughs> Kevin. 
It's like I'm their preschool teacher. <laughs> when I first started teaching, I a lot of my students did call me Christy though. And it was like a real fight to get them to right. stop. It was very, it was wow. weird. It was very presumptuous. But um I had I had professors when I was an undergrad who went by their first names. And I don't oh. remember feeling weird about that back then. Like it was it was like, oh, well, we're in college and the professors let you call you by their first name. Were they guys though? No, it was it was really a mix to the point okay. where I'm, usually if I'm talking about any of my undergrad professors, I almost never call them Dr. So-and-so. It's always, almost always their first names or just last names, unless it's the count. And then obviously I have to call him the count. So um, I have a professor who I had an undergrad who actually encouraged me to be a religion uh, major. Shout out to Dr. Nash. And I can't not call him Dr. Nash. Now, keep in mind, this is a man who did teach me in undergrad, but then also I, he married me and Stuart. <laughs> he was our minister. I was still calling him Dr. Nash. And now we're teaching, it was come full circle. We're actually teaching a class together next semester <laughs> at Mercer. And I'm going to, you're like still Dr. I'm still Nash. calling him Dr. Nash. <laughs> I just can't get it out of my head. No, I mean, I can't imagine my seminary professors. I can't, I, I think I would die before I would call them by their first names. I remember we were in AAR Atlanta and he was like, do you want to get a drink? And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I'm like, I'm a married woman at this stage. <laughs> and he married me. Yeah, he knows it. He he was present for that. I was 30, like five or something, and I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> you were in the club, the adult club. I know. It was so weird. Anyway, so Kevin, I'm gonna call you Kevin, because we are friends. Uh lives here in it's North Pac- North Kalaki with me, although he lives <laughs> he lives in the country. Country. Well, I mean, it's a it's a city of eighteen thousand, so it's small, but it's okay. We do have mail service and, and garbage <laughs> like, service, like so M- it's not M- quite. Does Amazon you know, come to you? Do you get Amazon come? Yeah, but they they, they have to cross the, the the dam unless the beavers have <laughs> taken out the dam, and then they get there. Yeah, there is a beaver. Like the city spends a lot of time because it blocks up this creek. And I guess they're protected. This is how you but know like, he's in the country. Yeah. And so like he just keeps rebuilding the, the dam and they have to tear it down because it stops up the creek and causes flooding. And the beaver's like, back at it. <laughs> back so at weird. it again. He has one job. Like he has one job. He's just gonna <laughs> one job. And no one in Stanley's just gonna go out and shoot him, I guess. A <laughs> That's a little surprising. I know, I thought so too. Stanley County is the, the place that he lives, which oftentimes yeah. it's funny because that region will refer to itself as the county and not like the towns. Like I always hear people say I'm from Stanley County as opposed right. to well, like. Yeah. Oh, that's I guess because none of them are that big. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And well, Albemarle you're doing. Takes, take, it's more syllables too. Albemarle takes a little I while. never get. And I, I to this day can't spell Meisenheimer, which is where our college was. Right. <laughs> I'm like, that is too many vowels for my. And the thing too is because I have a little Southern child in my head, which Kevin, you know, I'm assuming you do too. I, none of the letters made sense where they were. No, no. <laughs> and Albemarle is also spelled not the way that we're saying it. 
it doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, these are French and German words. So, yeah, they're both born. Which is lost on, on yes. us. Yes. <laughs> so, um, Kevin's specialty. So, he shares something in common with us other than being just cool. Yeah. Is that he also got his PhD in the UK. I noticed this when I was uh, swiping pictures from... <laughs> On his, te- on his tender, profile pictures, and I was like, "Ooh, he also has UK robes on." So, where did you do your your doctor? I was at Cambridge. Oh, so fancy. Mm-hmm. I knew a guy. <laughs> that was there. That's how it happened. How uh, how did you enjoy your time at Cambridge? Is it? It was everything? magical. It really was. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> yeah. awesome. I can imagine. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was cold and weird. At, you know, oh. times, but um, yeah, it's the UK. Yeah, it's the UK. I mean, we were we were higher north than you, so you can't really say much about cold. No, no, but I've never had a non-heated bathroom. Like, wow, you just depend on the steam to make it warm in this room. Oh God, yeah. Our okay. friends, our friends, it snowed in Scotland like this week, and my mother-in-law and also our friends were sending pictures, and I all I could, and it, of course, it looks gorgeous. Oh, yeah. But in my head, all I could think was, oh, my God, I could, I could never shower again. <laughs> like, <Right>. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know how I did it. Especially because the showers like don't have doors. You know, um, I was reminded of this recently. But <laughs> what like, do you mean half, the shower doesn't like, oh, I see. Like half saying. glass where it doesn't actually like cover the whole, like if it's a bathtub, it doesn't go all the way over. I thought you meant the, the bathroom. I was no, like, no, what kind of bathroom. bathroom were you in that didn't have a door? <laughs> <laughs> the shower itself. Are those little like half glass things where you're like, keep the water to just right here. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're pointless. Yeah. Also, there's carpet in a lot of bathrooms. Which oh, yeah. I have thoughts, but I understand true. because it's so cold. <laughs> They're like, I you need don't want to step on the stuff, after. something comforting. Just... So you liked Cambridge. What did you do your PhD on, Kevin? For our I did it with sort of a theology and literature angle. Oh, Christy. I think it's one of Christie's interests. Yeah, I got right into now. the Catholic theologian Hans Urs von Balthasar. Yes, because he was into tragic literature and he thought that Jesus was the inheritor of all the tragic literature of the world. Oh, yeah. Which is a really strange idea. (laughs) So I was like, huh, like like at one point I love Baltazar because he's so all over the place. And so at one point he's saying all that and he's like, well, we should probably talk about the Old Testament as a prefiguring of Jesus because he spent. 100 pages talking about greek tragedy <laughs> like oh you just showed your true colors there buddy um so yeah i thought that was really interesting but he didn't like the novel as a genre because he kind of had a lot of those preconceptions that okay. from hegel that that yeah. true literature is dra- is drama and the novel's too modern yeah so i used thomas hardy to kind of suggest that oh, he missed some things god thomas hardy i don't like old hardy <laughs> Well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say quiet in this part of the section. <laughs> Thomas Hardy is not for the weak, is what I will say. Uh, like that's some real English major. <laughs> because of his style or the, the I think sadness the or what? Style is the sadness. It's uh, what was his most famous book that I would maybe know from AP English? That would be Tessa Durbeville's. Yep. Yeah. Yep, read that one. Don't remember that being yeah. too happy. 
if no. you see Downton Abbey at the end, which is a great show, at the end of season two, and she's at which is really moving bit, she's out in the snow because she's the fallen woman. And I was like, oh my God, it's just like Tess the Durbervilles. And then they they say something like they make a nod directly to it. So 200 years yeah. later, that story still it still is reverberates. Um, yeah, I have to tell you my favorite story about Thomas Hardy, though. And then when she I was met, taking, she met him one time, I met him one time. <laughs> we, we had a chat when I was taking AP. You look good for your age. <laughs> <laughs> she said um, in the beginning, she does. <laughs> I, do, I don't look as old as I am. But uh, when I was taking AP Lit my senior year of high school, uh, we read Jude the Obscure which All right. like is probably why I don't like Thomas Hardy. <laughs> this probably was the wrong. Why? What's it about? I didn't read Jude that the obscure is Jude is uh, a troubled man. And there's a lot of like kind of explicit scenes in it. And uh, just really dark stuff. I don't even know if I I've been watching the Hillsong documentary, so you can lay it on me. Like it's hard. <laughs> it's, I'm honestly, I feel like it's hard for you to even remember specifics. Like I remember there was sex on pigs at one point. Um, and there was something about hanging a woman somewhere and it was oh, just a lot. I mean, just some light, light, <laughs> just some light but we were, we were in class and we were supposed to get into pairs and we were supposed to come up with adjectives for Jude. And I just hated this book so much that I refused to talk about it. And I was paired up with my best friend, Romilly. And when the teacher was like, what are you girls talking about? I said, well, we think that Jude is obscure. And he was just like, Christy, I cannot with you anymore. <laughs> well, now being a teacher, you realize how annoying that mister would have been. <laughs> he told me I wasn't allowed to talk for the rest of the day. Mm. And I, honestly, it was for the best. <laughs> those, good old, those good old high school days where you can just be like, shut up. <laughs> he was just like, I'm done. You can't talk anymore. And I was like, okay. <laughs> well, Christy, I'm sure you've got a long reading list of various stuff. But if you ever had the chance and reread it now. I'd be curious what you think, because that that is a tough read for high schoolers. For high schoolers, I know. Um, I have. It's just it's kind of dark, and it it's. Is, and we watched the movie too. He showed us the movie, right? With, which uh, is with the woman from Titanic. Yeah, it right? is. Ooh. and um, I, he was out the day that the movies got shown, and so we had a substitute. And I guess he didn't write down that I went to a little private Christian school. There was a wow. scene that should not have been shown. <laughs> But he did not write down, like, fast forward through this scene. Oh, <laughs> so <laughs> we were all just like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, I My uh, college undergrad advisor, Jerry, who is, uh, she's wonderful, and I've modeled most of my teaching off of her, has for years been trying to get me to reread it. And I, <laughs> I am it's, stubbornly it's, refused, but. Yeah, well. Someday, maybe. I can see the reasons why, but it, it's it's so raw and powerful, and yeah. I think about it probably every six months. Like something happens, and it just reminds me of something in that book. Something I mean, raw and or emotion or something. It's just this is what she wonderful. says too. So maybe between yeah. the two of you, maybe one day I will read it again. I don't know if it's his best one, but I think no. it's it's the most awesome one. But I love okay. the Mayor of Casterbridge too. That's a great great one. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, how did your students take it? What did you have them read it? I used it once, but novels were hard with students today and our students. They just, I realized <laughs> they didn't they, read it. They just not. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's just a lot. Um, so I, I felt like it was, I, I wanted to aim high, but, but at least something they could reach, but they, they were kind of shocked at the ending. It's all, it's so awful. It's almost comic. Like, like you can read it and actually laugh. Cause it's, it's a bit over the top, but they were, they took it in the more of the awful vein. Like, Oh my God, I cannot believe what just happened. Cause like this whole family dies basically. So it's spoiler really, alert. Guys. Spoiler alert is for a very old is yeah. very tragic. Yeah, actually the kid the kid kills the younger one and then hangs himself, I think. Yeah, I think they, so. They're basically he's like they the, he thinks the parents can't support them. Yeah. So he writes died because we are too many, but he misspells it like M A N N Y or something and you're just like, "Oh." Oh. oh, that's so freaking sad. It is. It yeah. Is. So, so what was your in your dissertation? What was your connection between? I know that you said that Jesus takes on the tragedies, but what what did you actually? What were okay? What were the main sort of novels that you used? I know you used Balthazar. Yeah, I used four of Hardy's novels, trying to okay. suggest that the novel is a tragic genre, mm -hmm. which kind of Hardy yeah. felt like it's not real tragedy because it's a novel and it's a weird thing because i don't think anyone thinks it today but but in his time in the earlier 20th century they were was it just they, like they, the greek plays and stuff they yeah they wanted to be classical and they also felt like i mean the novel is a solitary experience when you read it you're not with others you're not sharing mm -hmm. that together and that that's a fair point that if you go to see a play it's live it's almost like church, right? Like you're going through this thing that begins and ends and has this, you know, emotional impact that you feel with others versus yep. a novel. You can stop it. You can start it. You can set it down. You can, um, you know, you can read it at the beach. You can, you can read stop it. reading it. You can stop reading mm -hmm. it. But yeah, play is more like a movie in a theater. You can't stop it. So yeah. it, it has a certain power as well as that the play is highlighting the fact that there's people on stage that are doing things and saying things. Whereas the novel yeah. gives you insight into someone's consciousness, like you can get into their mind. And that yeah. kind of disturbed Hegel and Balthazar because they what felt like it made us too alone. Oh, well, why did they modern thing. About, yeah. Why did they not like that we were alone? Did they think we needed to share like tragedy with others so that we would? Yeah, I think I think they wanted to be more a little more pre-modern. They felt like we'd lost something because everyone's, you know, choosing their favorite cereal and eating it by themselves in their rooms. Like, I mean, and that's a fair point. We are, we're, we're probably too solitary in the. I mean, you world. do have three sons. So you yes. Can tell yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not against solitude, but. but. <laughs> But, you know, lots of people are lonely. So that's their point. Yeah. Like, we're kind of trapped in our heads too much. Mm -hmm. Well, and too, I think that you can't, um, you can't quite analyze whether the novel is telling you true things or not. Because Ooh, you, you have to be aware of the narrator. Like, is right. the narrator reliable? Is the narrator giving you the full picture? Like how no, I never and, thought of that. But and yeah, so we don't, if you're not getting any kind of other feedback on that, you can get kind of sucked into yeah. like this story is telling me the truth when maybe it's not. I never thought of that, but you're right. A play does not have an unreli unreliable narrator. Yeah. Because of the play, you're seeing so many people and different perspectives and all that. Right. And yeah, the novel 
is like you're I mean, unless they're doing it specifically and then it's usually you know, a whole trope, but most novels you're getting one perspective. You're getting especially if it's a first person narration, like yeah. you're only getting their understanding of what's going on too. And and that may or may not be true. But we don't usually think that way when we're reading novels. I think when I tell my students like the idea or the concept of an unreliable narrator, they, they're always kind of shocked. Like, oh, why would they lie to us? <laughs> I just assumed they were telling us what was going on. Well, like, they might not be, you know. Or they might see it a certain way. Yeah, they might be telling you what they think is true, but it, yeah. it isn't necessarily. But And then if we're, like, I mean, I, I don't necessarily agree with uh, the novel being entirely solitary, but, like, I think if, if you're not sharing the experience, you're not talking about it with other people, you can get very, like, sucked into that. Just start a book group. Start a book club. Just start, start a book group. Right. book club. That's right. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I was arguing that there's a place for the novel. Yeah, for sure. That he, and that it could be tragic. And that the novel is actually the Bible is more like the novel in some mm, ways. Yeah. Like it's kind mm. of a hodgepodge of various things. And it, it's more interested in the common people, mm -hmm. which novels are very much tied to. They're not about kings and queens, but right. about, you know, normal yeah. folks. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was kind of in, a gist of that. And what was the connection Jesus. to Jesus with the books? Well, because the, the, the Christ figure, the question comes down to, to what's an appropriate Christ figure. Does it have to be a Shakespearean play or a Greek mm. play or Antigone or could it be Jude the Obscure? Is there something yeah. about Jesus suffering and death that, that Jude speaks to in a way that Antigone doesn't because yeah. she kind of dies a noble death in a sense. Like she dies for a cause and Jude dies just because right. he's kind of out of time. He's born in the wrong time or something. Oh, it's <laughs> so freaking sad. They're so oh. sad, yeah. I know that it's called tragedy, but damn. <laughs> they're, oh, they're... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's so many scenes. Like he ends up, he wants to go to Oxford or Hardy's version of Oxford, Cambridge, and he can't get in. <laughs> And so he ends up working on the walls of one of the mm -hmm. colleges at the university. Oh my gosh. So like only Hardy would try to pull that off. Like he's a stonemason building the walls to keep him outside of the very school he wants to go oh. to. <laughs> it's like almost a bit, it's almost like Monty Python, right? <laughs> but like, you're just so like, it's well, it's so, I will say it's very well written. It's really, um, I mean, they're really beautiful books even as they're just so depressing, which again is very much my field is like, give me the most depressing book you've ever read. You did tragedy and Christy did trauma. So together <laughs> you make one hell of a dinner party. <laughs> Hide the sharp objects, right? People are like, you know, can you recognize on the table? Me? And I'm like, no. <laughs> You don't want to read the book. I was like proofreading her dissertation and I was like, look, I'll do the theology, but I said, you're just going to have to do the literature because I don't know if you're right or not. Because mm. <laughs> I think my world was much more like politics and sort of systems structures, more like sociology stuff. And I mean, I'm not saying books aren't guys. They, I was yeah, almost a literature major. I like literature. You're just um, 
They're just a, a, a little bit more subtle way of talking about those things. I never had to write about Derrida, which I feel like is a real, <laughs> which tells me a lot about myself. Do you feel like, um, Kevin, do you feel like including literature with theology helped with your classes? Like, do you think that the students appreciated that combination? Or do you think they needed it? <laughs> I mean, the truth is I ended up teaching such introductory classes like ethics yeah. and church history that I rarely got to use it. But I, I mean, I think so just because it, 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 we had there's so much friction. Too. Yeah. But I never got to teach it. I mean, I, I taught, I taught that type of material a few times for yeah. like the undergrads with like a special topics or the mm -hmm. junior seminar. Yeah. Yeah. But but even with the master students, it was very much intro to church history, ethics, yeah. systematic theology. So, yeah. um, but I, my... no, I think literature helps theology immensely because theology yeah. tends to overestimate its own abilities, and mm -hmm. to think yeah. that God or human life can be systematized. And I mean, that's that's malarkey. Come on. <laughs> I mean, you're preaching to the converted for one of us. Yeah. Well, and I will say, you guys had a podcast before we have a podcast HAV. It's just it's just resting. It's just it's resting. resting because I hung out with you and he went and hung out with the gamer. Yeah, and, that's right. Um, but we do have a podcast called Theology is Annoying, which is yeah, by far the best, the best title ever. The best title ever. <laughs> and we have a lot of fun. Yeah. We're gonna drop a new episode just out of the blue and not mention any the fact that it's been on hiatus for two years. When you listen to the last episode, <laughs> I'm talking about COVID and I say, my hairdresser said she may not be able to go back to work in a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> this is like 2020. This is when yeah. everything shut down. I was like, she's going to be out of work for two weeks. I was like, Leah, don't be dramatic. Come don't on. Be, I, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's America. It's a really good time capsule episode. Like how dumb, dumb we were about it. Yeah. Completely unaware. That's so funny. You guys should check it out. I've listened to it. They're great episodes. And I do, I think that oh. it's, it's good how you guys talk about, because I agree. I think that theology, even though I do systematic theology, I think that when we only talk Ew. about it systematically, <laughs> it's so boring. And like, right. and I get to say this because I am, but like, we can also say it. <laughs> we took it's the classes. Like, it's like, you know, help. It's look, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it like it is. It's helpful in the same ways that I think the biblical studies is helpful. But like most people don't want to read those books. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and so and I, I don't think it's helpful if people aren't reading it. You know, like we can't just keep all of the good stuff to the academics and I will say that I'd never heard of Balthazar until Kevin, and I did read some of his stuff, and it's actually interesting. It like, is. I like that. In the systematic world, because he is a wackadoodle. He is. Yeah. <laughs> wackadoodle. He is. I always was very fascinated by and him. And I like it because like, he's not, not very systematic about systematic theology. No. He's just like, I don't think this anymore. Right. <laughs> and he's kind of conservative but then all of a sudden he's like okay that was really weird because he has this stuff about the trinity being gendered or the mm -hmm. idea of universal salvation which he leaves yeah. open like he's he's he zigzags i was like you can't pin this guy down uh -uh. well because he's all just like god's a mystery and if yeah. you 
set your premise as God is a mystery, really the world is your oyster. I mean, truly, like you are, you are set for life if your premise is. You can be like, ooh, I don't think that anymore. God's a mystery. (laughs) Baltazar, you know, he proclaims how the novel is an inferior genre. And then spends like five pages naming all the novels he really likes. <laughs> I read that. I'm like, this guy is just precious. I just love this like, dude. He's like, I love Moby also, Dick and I love this and I love that. And oh I love my God. Him. Can we also yeah. just take a second to point out, because <laughs> I'm sure some people are like, oh my God, but to call the novel this like modern thing and to talk about it in these ways is giving me so much life, but like is hilarious because it's old. Most of us are like, how is the novel? a new thing and like kind of flabbergasted by this idea but for academics it's not new it's or it's not old it's new but like we're we all grew up with novels you know right yeah Yeah. what's the time stamp for a novel uh the first english novel um i can hear you typing i can hear you typing hundreds no i'm thinking of it's yeah 1700s, I want to say. Let Clarissa or something. Oh God, Clarissa. Yeah, I think it it is. I think it is. Never read it. No, me either. But people argue what the first novel is, and as I recall, one is Cervantes' Don Quixote. But some people say that uh, the Odyssey is really the first novel. But it's. Isn't it sort of like a Greek Greek tragedy, though? Isn't it? I mean, is it Odyssey? Well, I think in the sense that. Is it poetry? or like a play? A play, anyway. Not well, no, it's more of like a travel bit, but you kind of get into his mind, and there's characters. Mm. Or do you get into his mind? I, I'm, I may be wrong there, but it's there's arguments Pamela. for why the Odyssey's novel-like. Pamela so is the first one, not Clarissa. Pamela. It's Pamela. Was that same, by the same dude? Same author, yeah. Okay. Um, and it's 1740. Who so. is the author? Okay, 1740. Samuel Richardson. Um. So yeah, there's a bunch. He just of... was really obsessed with like women with old names. <laughs> women's names. Um, Pamela is not a good novel. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that. Uh, there's well, a bunch I mean, of it's the first. It's like the first hip hop album. You know, like, yeah, like you gotta give it some credit. But <laughs> what was the first hip hop album, Kevin? Uh, Ooh, I actually know. That. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I remember but... when "Walk This Way." came out the video and everyone was like what was that because it was run dmc and aerosmith you're like what just happened <laughs> kevin's of an older generation than us first, so the first hip-hop artist is a man named dj cool herc and he okay I'm not making this up it's it's um k-o-o-l i don't believe you're making it up because it's way too weird but he like- <laughs> the reason that he is credited with this is because he started throwing parties in New York City. He started throwing block parties to like help keep kids like out of the streets and stuff like that. They were trying to like deal with the because at the time New York City was like insanely poor. Um I mean- and so he threw these big parties <laughs> and he was the first like hip hop like mix he started mixing like we're used to with like the records and scratching and all that. Um, and so he's got a whole exhibit and there's a museum. I can't remember what, what museum it is, but there's an, there's actually a YouTube video interviewing him about these parties. And That's it's a really lot of cool. knowledge, Christy. Um, it's, be- <laughs> it's because I teach intro to humanities now. And so when I introduce, when I also, when she to always goes to the religion and hip hop. Uh, also, I love religion and hip hop. Um, cool. When I do the music section, I do a whole thing on hip hop and, um, 
And so I show them this interview with DJ Cool Herc. It's really fun to watch. But anyway. Mm. Uh, I'm going to segue us out. I should say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, not that that wasn't interesting. But I do want to get to Kevin's newest stuff. Yes. Also, can you tell me what the title of your book is? That um, the the latest book that you had with Rutledge. Uh, so I did Christ. Um... <laughs> oh no! Oh no! You just see, you got to do bad theology. You just got to no, yeah, it's because of the wine. We're drinking Christ, wine. The tragedy week. of God. Okay, Ooh. and that's with Rutledge, right? That was with. <laughs> it is. It's not dead. It's not dead. It's still. Uh, yes. Okay. Christ, I the think. tragedy of God. Yeah. Boom. I love it. Buy it. Do it. Interested in our chat? Also, Kevin. I'll, did... I'll, I'll make you a deal on eBay. I've got some copies. Oh, sweet. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll put a link up. Yeah, we'll put a and link. And also, Kevin did pick red wine, and I didn't even have to bribe him. I know. Mm -hmm. We're big fans of Kevin today. Um, I mean, I'm in a penguin onesie and drinking red <laughs> wine because that's the sort serious? of day I've had. Yeah, well, yeah, what, what, which part is unbelievable? <laughs> it's the onesie. Oh, <laughs> the penguin. Yeah. I, you should try it. Onesies are kind of great, except for when you have to go to the bathroom if you're a girl, because it is a little bit lip bit like going to a Scottish bathroom because <laughs> you just got to take the whole thing. I get the whole thing off. Um, other than that, it's just like a cozy little hug. They are pretty awesome. I love my onesie. I need a new onesie, though. Uh, Kevin, what is your new interest, or what are you working on now? Well, I am interested in games, like uh, game theory type stuff. Okay. Explain that to me. Yeah. Well, it kind of it came out of the fact that I got into board games slightly before the pandemic hit and then it hit and I realized yeah like yeah there's a real hobby world of game of board games excellent timing <laughs> yeah it was it was um, and he's got like superfluous children that he can ring into yeah yeah they're teenagers like... it's a little harder now mm. you know you 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 have when they're younger, you're trying to get them out of your hair. And then when you're older, you're trying to find them. So <laughs> they just kind of disappear all of a sudden. You're like, I, I think, you know, I, I think I there he's not vaping in a bathroom somewhere. I don't know where he is. So, anyway. What kind of board games? Any old stuff, but especially there's so many interesting things. We're living in a real renaissance of a golden age of board games. So um, there's it, it, they can really track it from the Germans did. Well, I mean, it came out of the German world, but they've been into Euro games for a while. And the Sellers of Catan, if you ever played that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Came out in 95. And that's just that just uh, that took over the world. No one had ever seen a game like that where you don't eliminate other players. You kind of do your own thing and you win by scoring, uh, but you can mess with each other. So that, that, that the two big schools of gaming, if you're talking board games versus, you know, there's also D&D role-playing games, there's casino yeah. games and stuff, but you got a mirror trash, which is usually luck-based and player elimination. So think Monopoly kind of game where mm -hmm. I win by destroying you. Right, uh, which is fun. I mean, they, they have a place, and then you know, games I have gotten are into less... some real fights over Monopoly. <laughs> I mean, it gets ugly, and it can once be really you start mean. hoteling up, hotel up, I'm dead. I'm yeah. dead inside. 
<laughs> it's, it, and, it, and it can feel really mean. So yeah. Euro games are much nicer and it, it came out of Germany, but they're being made in all sorts of places where you, you might be um, harvesting sheep or something, oh. you know, like, like you're doing something very yeah. safe and you're just playing on your old tableau. Like the Oregon Trail. Yeah, that is a game, isn't it? I've not played that one. Is that oh. Oregon Trail? Oh my gosh. That was like the early is that a video game that they it's made a, into a it's an, yeah. Well, it's an early video game, like computer game, really. Right. Back in, and you weren't competing against anyone. You're trying to get your people. You're just trying to get to Oregon. To Oregon. But, but you, yeah. like, you know, but, you could die. You died of dysentery. Of a dysentery lot. a lot. Or <laughs> you like try to forge the river and you die or whatever. You lose all but, your cattle and then you die. My favorite was... part is that when you died, you got to write the epithet on your little tombstone. And so I would, and then once you died and your tombstone was there and you start the game over, sometimes you would happen across your old tombstones. <laughs> oh, I've heard that's so awesome. And I yeah. really enjoyed that part. <laughs> I played it in middle school. It was like this, when we had the like one weird computer in the corner, yeah. they'd be like, do you want to play Oregon Trail? Yes. And I would be like, okay. And then, yeah, it was basically trying to keep like your people alive yeah, and you right. were you were fighting against the elements like, like it wasn't crisis management yeah so same, same kind of it's why we have anxiety now because <laughs> of oregon trail <laughs> <laughs> but not a board game time. i don't think it's a board game mm -mm, mm -mm. so um, i i was into this and i kind of noticed that a lot of church people were it's kind of like that connection with tolkien and fantasy like there's yeah. some weird thing where <clears throat> Christians like making up stories and I don't mean that exclusively because obviously lots of people make up stories but like why why is it that that something with the Catholic imagination makes you want to write about fawns and hobbits and dwarves yeah. and that kind of thing like like what what how is how are they cross-pollinating each other and and uh so I started doing a little just interesting games and game how games work game theory type stuff yeah. so games are interesting because they create a magic circle. So you you kind of like, we're going to enter this circle. And in this circle, this Monopoly money means something. Mm. So Monopoly pieces mean something. Yeah. And we're going to play these, we're going to play this game and follow these rules until we're done. And then we leave the circle and we go back to our lives. And of course, church is the same way. You know, you're going to enter mm. there. We're going to sit in this place and we're going to pick up this book and we're going to listen to this person talk and and we're going to say these prayers and then the mass has ended right and we uh -huh. all walk out so there's sort of magic circles everywhere which is so games are picking up on that and then moltmann wrote a book about theology of play which is very interesting oh so he, he kind of says that god created the world as an act of play because it wasn't an act of work and we're ultimately made to play and not work agree i like that <laughs> yeah so, and, but i'm not sure he's quite right because work can be meaningful but, yeah you know the idea is in utopia what would we do if you don't have to work and 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 uh another thinker bernard suits who was a philosopher and wrote a book called the grasshopper about games his point is you wouldn't even have literature because there's no pain in utopia so there'd be no country wow. songs, no Jude the Obscure. Yeah. So the only thing to do if you have every need met would be to play games. And that's kind of his argument about, it's one of Aesop's fables, the grasshopper and the uh -huh. ant. Uh -huh. And so he's reversing it and saying humans are actually grasshoppers. 
we just oh. have to be ants now because we're right. on this side of utopia. So suits is is not religious, but That's but so you can make these yeah. connections. Yeah, that that you know Christ's resurrection and the joy, right? That that yeah. should make us live a reality that's outside of work yeah it's very up Milton's avenue too because like hopefulness and stuff in play i feel like that all works huh. well uh -huh. together but yeah and then maybe you could even start to see your work as play if it's not like working for a living or something you get to do meaningful work but it's like enjoyable well yeah. we're all kind of teachers and ministers so yeah <laughs> I mean, it's not, I mean not, yeah, because I like, feel like, right. like technically, podcasting is work, but like, I'm having a good time. It's always just fun, <laughs> so I don't really see it as that, you know. I'm drinking right. wine and talking to my friends. Yeah, but, like, but we're still doing that kind of meaningful work. It's just it's it's the like res it's the redeemed kind of work because we're not getting paid for it. I like it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I like that. That's very cool. So you're going to a conference. Did you go to the conference already? You told me. Yeah, it was really a board game convention. 30,000 people. In oh, God. It was crazy. The line to get in wrapped around the block three times. Whoa. How was it? It was wild. It was, I mean, it, it, it was neat. It, it's a lot of publishers and demos and, and cosplay folks. But it, but it was cool to see a whole nother genre human living i guess it is like aar though american academy of religion it's yeah. like that conference in that there are people in the back pitching board games just like Ooh, people yeah. are trying to get book contracts at aar yeah and and so there's a whole culture of people that are there for work or serious and then there's people that are kind of more of dabbling right do you think you would ever do a board game i have thought about dante because Dante's Inferno, mm. you just Ooh, that would be a you've got one. levels, you've got bosses, like boss battles almost. Mm -hmm. um, so I've thought about it, and I've actually, con there's a dude that will help people kind of with that. He's done some games in the past. Ooh. So I've done a little contacting, but I'm kind of lazy, and it's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least we're being honest. <laughs> yeah. And even if it gets published, so if you get it picked up, it's like a book. You're going to make three yep. to five percent off of the price so yeah. that it sells for it, it's got to be it's a hobby yeah. unless you own your own company which some people do but just get in with that sweet mattel group. i know <laughs> that I know. up and, up and coming mattel. Those, those seven year olds are gonna love to play dante those seven year olds <laughs> love dante yeah that would be a really fun board game what for what game do you think is the most theological oh that's a Good question. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm not prepared for an answer. Um, okay. So I will say, my husband. I'm gonna. I'm gonna fill the noise, and then you can think about it. But you don't have to answer. My husband used to play Dungeons and Dragons with Kevin and a couple other people, um, and it sounded very, at the very least, mythological, if not yeah. theological. Mm -hmm. Well, Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons is a lot of world building, from what I understand. I have never played it, so I don't know. But like, uh, one of my like a lot of good versus evil. It sounds like yeah. Like one of my best friends, her husband has a podcast about about it, trying to like help people understand it. I don't. We listened to a couple episodes, and I, I was you like, didn't understand. I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so but, he's not gonna do a podcast to understand the podcast. I, <laughs> I think we jumped in in the middle, and I was like, I really needed that intro <laughs> episode. Um, but like, yeah, you're building worlds. You're deciding who's good and evil, and like what's going on. From what I understand, maybe I'm wrong. Right? Yeah, a D and D type thing is a great example because it lets you explore different personas like you could be someone very different yeah and and live in that world and it, it it might help you see things about you know social anxiety about yourself about living in the world so i could see D D is kind of theological depending mm, on yeah. the content but also are you presented with ethical issues to make decisions about um there there's a few designers that well, I'll say this. Some games are really just for fun and the theme doesn't matter, right? Yeah. So, uh -huh. Some games actually have a moral bent. And Monopoly, interestingly, if you look it up, began, it was a, I think she was a Quaker woman. And oh. it was a two-part game. Monopoly was supposed to teach you the evils of... Capitalism. Capitalism, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and private real... Or she yeah. was against real... She was against... Uh, ownership where you rented out property. I don't think she was against private property, but you shouldn't be able to rent stuff out for people to live in, uh -huh. I think. And so that's what that game meant. And then there was a sequel to it or a second game that was packaged with that would teach you the values. It was a certain, I mean, I'd have to look it up, but there was a certain economic movement that she was part of. And they felt like you should never be able to own people's houses. Yeah. I mean, the most angry I probably it's, have gotten at board games is Monopoly. So I think she succeeded. She said, yeah. I mean, now, the thing is, the other game it. was not fun. And so we only play half of it. But it had a moral bent to mm -hmm. it. And there are these Victorian games in the 1800s. And they weren't great games. But they're supposed to teach you, like, to avoid going to pubs and to live <laughs> a moral, upright Victorian oh, well. life. So you, like, yeah. went around and you're supposed to do different stuff. But people are taking that kind of game and, and rethinking it. So one person, Amabel Holland, she makes some really interesting games. She's got one on the Council of Nicaea. Oh. It's oh. a little mean, but in it, you see, <laughs> you're playing these bishops. As was the Council of Nicaea. As was the Council of Nicaea. You were playing these bishops, and you were trying to be part of the winning argument. But it doesn't matter which side it is. You just want to win. So she has like an A and B side about... It, 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 uh, you know some of those arguments about the nature of Jesus. Or mm. Yeah, you, you almost said that hom groups. Yeah, and homeo, homeo. Yeah, <laughs> and so if you want to win the game, you just want to you want to be with almost with the winning argument, and you don't care what it is. You just want to win. And um, what and if so we play that on the podcast? Just oh play. my god, it's our <laughs> next YouTube. It's a it's... great little game. It's mean. It's mean. <laughs> it has a lot of mean stuff in it. Like I think it's probably a little unfair to Nicaea. But it's kind of right. But it's but it's I kind of right. It's like it's right, but it's just a little mean about. You know, it. that was a bunch of dudes yelling at each other. Yeah. About just like, and then just like circle jerking. You know that that's what was happening. And then poor Arius takes the fall for everything. He's like, I'm not. A, I'm not even a white nationalist. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and then B, like he supposedly falls down and his guts gush out. Yeah. Which is oh how Judas God. dies. Yeah. yeah and so like Judas, it's like he's it... cursed. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, oh my you, gosh. Get, you get shit wrong, their... you, you get your guts out. We get he, this he game, was their whipping we play boy it for... on Zoom and we put it on our YouTube channel. 
<laughs> that would be fun. I don't know how well it would translate. It probably would be kind of boring. It probably would. But it would well, be you would need fun. your own cards in your hand. You'd have to get your own copy potentially, or you'd have to play it at AR or something or meet up. Yeah. So um, that's a cool next, one. Next She's got week. another one about endurance, which, about the uh, Shackleton. It's a solo game, and that's a really cool one too about how they survived. Oh. And she uses the whole thing as a paradigm because Amabelle Holland is, is a female transgendered. So about how she feels like her journey to finding herself is like Shackleton surviving his expedition. It's a miracle. So it's a really oh, wow. lovely, oh, it's a really great. lovely lesson behind this game she designed. So she does some really neat stuff. So it's a weirdly, the Victorians were right to have games that teach. Mm. They just need to be better they need to make better games. Better. And also <laughs> yeah. I want to play a Victorian well. game where you just like go to a pub and see someone in a gutter somewhere <laughs> and like point laugh. Is that the game? I mean, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> and then we're like, Leah, you're you lost. And she Leah says, Did I? Did I lose? Kevin, <laughs> Jenny, Kevin and Jenny, who's Kevin's wife, and I played a, a board game one night at his house. Um, and it's funny because it shows my brain towards board games is that I get, I was just, especially if I'm drinking wine, I just, I'm like, okay, I can do this. But it, what was, it was like about a pandemic. It was pandemic. Yeah. You played pandemic, Christy? This is, oh my God. This was pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. <laughs> so it's a little on the nose. <laughs> I have heard of this. I haven't, play, I'm not great at playing board games, um, because I don't have enough competitive drive to keep me like I've got going. tons of competitive drive but my attention span is low <laughs> yeah and, and so my attention span is low but then I also don't have the competitive part so I end up tapping out but like I've heard of because I used to go to board games nights a lot and yeah. I would just like not so what would you games. do there just hang out I would heckle yeah. heckle, would heckle? <laughs> <laughs> well it got to the point in the night where it was like the end and I said I'll just do this and both Kevin and his wife were like no don't do that. <laughs> and you like, said, no, I'm going to do it. And yeah. then the world died. And then everyone died. <laughs> everyone died. And I was kind of okay with it. Because <laughs> I am super, about I'm super, super competitive, but I've realized increasingly I'm competitive with myself. And so that doesn't really uh, translate into board games because I think yeah. I've gotten less, since I don't play organized sports, I don't, I'm less competitive like with other yeah. people. Right. I, I'm competitive in in really specific situations. You are you're competitive with your with your group in theology, I would say. You're yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you have to be. Like you can't you can't do systematic theology and not be like, I will crush you all. <laughs> Which is I do practical theology, so everyone was like, just let's just But then I also they're like, you wanna do like licorice and theology? That sounds really beautiful. Literature and let's theology is, is the friendliest group of people in the world and everybody is just constantly like, You're so amazing and lovely and, oh. and like and it's lovely and I, I really enjoy them, but at the same time, like that's just like every time I go, I just feel like a little bit fish out of water because I'm like, this is not how I understand how to do theology. <laughs> She's much more um, of a systematician than yeah me or probably yeah. you, Kevin. Well, Kevin, y'all yeah, know you. Yeah. Well, naturally, I, I have that competitive edge, but um, I only own one board game, and it's a yacht rock board game. <laughs> I also didn't know what yacht rock was until I met Christy. I don't know what that is. I know it's not. I don't think it's reached the south, Christy. <laughs> <laughs> yacht rock is like 
it's like um the 70s like soft rock from the 70s you'll remember kevin you were like 20 it's like africa uh africa's toto is like one of the biggest yacht rock sound songs or like how do you spell yacht rock yeah it's like yacht like like you're on a yacht yacht, like a boat uh, y-a-c-h-t i'm translating Um, for you christy it's fun thank you uh like it's like a boat uh Uh, colorado accent i don't know what the hell she's saying i don't know either (laughs) look we got a lot of likes around here you would have thought we had yacht rock but but like (laughs) it's it's the best way i could explain it is if you were on a yacht with um have you ever seen the movie overboard with goldie hawn forever ago probably when it came out i mean no like if you if you were on her yacht before she like fell off it with with her husband and his like heyday of richness and you're just like listening to soft rock you're listening to yacht rock i feel like you lost to see yacht <laughs> nobody has we have pontoons nobody has a yacht i think this is why it doesn't translate to the south you guys don't have enough yachts down here that's no. correct <laughs> correct i've never no. been on a yacht i've been on a fishing boat and a pontoon many a time there's a great uh video that people put on youtube about the development of yacht rock it's really long but it's really funny but then there's just like been this surge of yacht rock in certain places and there's a there so there's a board game you have to build your yacht rock band oh my god <laughs> so there's a website called board game geek that everybody's into board games is on like it's a uh-huh. database so i'm looking yeah i'm looking it up yeah there, there you it go is. Yacht, yep you yacht. build yourself a yacht say it Yacht. Yacht three to six players yep oh that's more that's more friends yacht than i've rock. got <laughs> <laughs> well christy you would like pandemic because it is cooperative so that's a kind of game oh, where good. yeah where yeah. you kind of decide together but when it's your turn you, you can you, you make the final call you do but, but you, you, you're playing against the board yeah. yeah if they look at you and they say don't do that you're they, gonna, kill, like, you're gonna kill the whole world do it. and then i was like yeah i'm gonna do it <laughs> and everyone died and then covid came so good job yeah i did that also risk i think is an interesting we used to play risk in atlanta oh, a lot. Yeah, i remember people playing risk that that's a, popular yeah but i think that's a weird one too because it's like sort of like monopoly like life imitating it's just like, well yeah yeah you just it's colonialization <laughs> you're just taking over <laughs> all these countries and you want to be a colonizer. <laughs> yeah. So so that concern about colonialism is present in board game design now. People are, are mm. aware of it and wanting to design games that examine power structures or, yeah. or getting the colonial themes out. Because some of the older games are really terrible. Like yeah. some called Puerto Rico, and you basically go in and just harvest. Oh no. <laughs> just Tell take me. everything and harvest. So oh, they've no. redone it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it shows the shows the uh, the sign of the times, right? And yeah. risk. You're absolutely right. It's it's total uh, domination. And you're just like I got conquest. Australia. I'm yeah. just like yeah. I'm like England. I got Australia. <laughs> That's right. Oh man, yeah. And then they produce for you, right? Don't they like yep. make something? Mm-hmm. So yeah, production. It's super weird. So, what do you think is the coolest new game coming out? Personally. I'm asking you questions that oh. I prep for. Or what's the one you're most looking forward to? That's another good question. I, um, <laughs> I'll, I just, some, I'll just dance over here. Y'all it's rock. Kinda, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's, it's partly because I bought some things recently. And, yeah. and so you kind of, 
it, I think most people are like me, you kind of ebb and flow because you, you know, it's a stupid use of money to buy bits of cardboard. And so then you no. back off for a bit and then you end up going right back in. So, Kevin yeah. and I went to a game uh, store in Charlotte where he did buy me a multi-sided die, I should say. <laughs> and, but we went in and it was such a cool little shop. It looked literally like it was out of like, I don't want to say Harry Potter because it was too like 80s for that. But like <laughs> there was a lot of like board games. And then you went upstairs and there was just these people in these rooms, like dark rooms playing games. But the guys, do you remember that, Kevin? And, yeah, I and do. I do. The guys looked at me like they'd never seen a girl. <laughs> and I know it's not true because there were girls there. So it's not true. But it was it, it was such a surreal. I'd never been to a game store. And it was exactly as I had stereotyped in my brain. <laughs> Some stereotypes are true. I mean, yeah. Sometimes they come from somewhere. Oh, and I don't I, I wanted it to be, but it but it was it felt here's what I will say. The overwhelming feeling was community, I think. Yeah. For, nice. for people who it felt like a place where people were like hanging out. Yeah. Right. I will say I, I, I very often lament my inability to like really get into board games because I do think that it's a great way to build community. Um, and unlike novels, it has to be done in a community, you know, like well, you said there were solo games, Kevin. There are, but, but, but uh, like but to Christie's point. Yeah. Like, like a, there are solo games and it's um yeah and you're either trying to beat your best score or, oh, or whatever okay. but it's it's it but but I think most people want to play games socially as yeah. getting and like it's such a great way to especially if you're like new to an area is like find a D&D &D group or like um you know kind of get involved in that it's such a great way to do that when i first moved to scotland um i joined meetup and the first event <laughs> i went to was a Cards Against Humanity meetup. Yes. We just like were at a pub and played Cards Against Humanity. And I made a really good friend who I was actually just talking to today. Um, oh, wow. Kira. Yeah. Like it was a great, uh, it was a great way to meet people was to go because mm -hmm. it's something to do. And it's not like just going to a pub and like having to small talk with people or being you like, you have a purpose. You have a purpose. You don't mm -hmm. have to like worry about, you know, if you're good enough at something or whatever, you're just like there and playing a game. And I think it's a great community building tool. Especially and, and good for people who are going to new places or even introverts. Like I think. Yeah. Cause it gives you like, well, and especially with, I'm again, from what I understand, like D and D because you're able to construct a character, like it takes some of that fear, like that social anxiety, um, you're not necessarily playing yourself so you can do things that you maybe yeah. wouldn't do otherwise and hopefully did, did you cosplay kevin i didn't i didn't i mean i would have to buy stuff and <laughs> or build it and then i would have to check it and that I mean I, you lost me and all that like <laughs> that's too many steps <laughs> yeah too you could go steps. as a white theologian guy i could, I could. you present you, you present very well for that you that's did cool. that I did that. In there. <laughs> Just I had my sunscreen on. I was careful. I was careful. <laughs> Where was this conference? It's in Philadelphia. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right downtown. Nice. Yeah, so AAR versus this conference, how would you rank? 
well both of them you can watch people so that's cool uh-huh. you know and they a lot of them are playing characters <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't know to be honest i i would i'm interested like the ai i, I need the life of the mind i want to hear yeah. some of the stuff at aar and connect and hear what's going on but a lot of those a- AAR folks need to play some games and loosen up and uh-huh. connect another way. So you really, you need you need the best of both worlds. This is yeah. why Kevin and I are friends. Kevin, That's I right. need to tell you about the Scottish reception at AAR. Oh, no. <laughs> it got it got it got bad. <laughs> I forgot I forgot the Alamo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did I did miss you. At, I did miss you at AAR this time around but oh, thanks you, well you would have left me though i think <laughs> <laughs> it was my first time away since stuart had had the stuff and like i just i, I went mental sauce <laughs> right. we also found a really cheap uh that, that was the problem and also that around. i wasn't driving because i was driving at beer camp yeah. and so i just was like you we know were what? I don't care. loose and fancy free, and we were. <laughs> <laughs> I t- Kevin, I had a picture of a, of me and my friend Joey, <clears throat> like totally nice picture. Yeah. And then the next picture, and I'm so sorry if this man is listening. It's just a picture of an AR tag, and the guys <laughs> from Harvard. <laughs> I have no recollection and like, of that conversation. Leah's, Leah's like holding the tag. So she's clearly right. meaning to take a picture of his tag. Uh-huh. I hope that I told this she's man like, I can't talk to you right now. But let me get back to you. Who is this person? And then that was it. The whole night I had a picture of me and Joey. And it was nice. And it was fine. And then a picture of this Harvard tag. And the next day <laughs> I'm like... I'm like dead looking at Christy and I was like, let me just look at my pictures from, cause she was showing, we went, we went to the Alamo that we night. We went to the Alamo that we night. We took some pics and then I looked <laughs> at this, falls off. <laughs> I looked at this picture and I was like, Christy, who is this man? And I, I don't know who like, this man is. I don't remember you doing that. And that then I just, be- I sort of slow, low level screeched. And the name's not in the picture, right? It's no, it's, in, it's on no, the, the name's in the picture, but like, who but is I don't know what picture? he was talking to me about. I mean, assumably I didn't just go up to him and say, Ooh, Harvard. Yay. Photoshop your. I mean, it is not outside the realm of possibility that night, but, but I, it's not maybe my typical go-to. I'm, I think he came to talk to me about my book. Don't know. Don't know. So I'm going to humbly email him at some stage to be like, hey, guy, no idea. Good job, Harvard. Gonna need to get a recap. <laughs> so anyway, next year is in San Diego. Oh, my God. Oh, I love San Diego. Well, there we go. You're coming. I love San Diego. It's my favorite. Well, yeah, guys, we ha- I'm going to have to wrap this up because it's 66 minutes. We did it. And um, many thanks to Kevin for coming on. And Yeah. I will mention I have a podcast, of course, yes, called Board Game do. Faith. So Board Game Faith. Board Game uh, Faith. Check okay. it out. Yeah. Daniel Hilty and I discuss board games and religion. He's a Methodist pastor out in Missouri. Oh. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and we've had some pretty cool guests on. And awesome. Things. Not us. Uh, 
but you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't know that we won our <laughs> You destroyed the world with pandemic. <laughs> I did. I and then we actually had a pandemic. I'm not sick. And then Christy owns one game that no one's heard of. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you want to go talk about Yacht Rock and my... Yacht Rock. My like, how do you spell yacht? <laughs> Is it like yeet with the different yacht. letters? Yacht. It's yacht rock. Yacht, 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 yacht rock. Y'all rock. Y'all rock. Y'all rock. <laughs> so, yeah, any shout outs. So, yes, check out that podcast. Yeah, Board Game Faith. We'll board link game. that too. Yeah, we'll yeah. link to it. And check it out if you're into to that world. I know we got some listeners that love <laughs> love board games more than Christian. <laughs> <laughs> listeners forgive us but we're still going to demand to be on your podcast or <laughs> <laughs> daniel and i are trying to talk about games and y'all are just doing whatever it is y'all doing, do doing this this doing is this. kevin this is what we do this is what we do much like much like you and i i will say <laughs> this isn't a podcast it's a phone call <laughs> It is. We actually aren't recording right now. It is. What? We're just, what? We're just shooting the shit. It's fine. It is really oh, just gosh. letting people listen to us chat about oh. whatever is happening in our heads. Yeah. And then we drink. So thanks for the yeah. red wine. And I'm going to keep this train going, much to Stuart's chagrin. Chagrin. <laughs> and I will, I will give Judy Obscure another chance someday. At I, some point. Yeah. Not today, but. I'm not yeah. gonna promise that. Not today. I have it. It's sitting in. It's in my office. Actually, your, your sad corner. <laughs> it's in my sad. It's in my office, just sitting there waiting to be reread. All right. Well, All right. thanks, Kev. Bye. Thank you. See you soon. See y'all later. Bye, Christy. Probably Bye. Won't, see. won't see you soon. I'm sorry. No. Bye. Bye. <laughs>